For those of you that are visiting us, you won't know, but we've been tracking the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And we've been doing it over a long period of time, really, and doing it quite slowly. But when we're doing it, what we're doing all the time is trying to, I suppose, it sounds really simplistic, but we kind of wanted to get to know Jesus a bit better um, by paying attention to what he did and the way he does stuff and the things that he says. And uh, we're up to uh, Mark chapter 7. And uh, you might be able to get hold of a Bible or you might have one yourself. And um, if you can, that'd be great. It's Mark chapter 7. And we're going to pick it up at verse 24 um, and read through to verse 30. It's kind of like a, it's a short interplay between Jesus and the woman. And um, at first sight, it's quite a disturbing story because I don't know about you, but um, I think lots of us have this sort of mental image of what's Jesus like and what would Jesus be what sort of thing would Jesus say? Kate said when she was uh, telling her story about why are you getting baptized, she said, I think if Jesus was here, this is what I, he would ask of me and this is what I would do. It was like, and it's clear, we, we carry this sort of mental image of Jesus. And that's no problem. But every now and again, you read something and you go, really? And I think this is one of the stories you read and you go, Really? Uh, is, this, is this Jesus? Should Jesus act like this? <laughs> and um, well, let's read it together and we'll see where, what we make of it. Jesus left that place and the place he uh, kind of was in was a place where he was arguing really with the, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. And I'll reference it later, but he'd come from a, a conversation, a, a confrontation with some of the most religious people of his day. And he'd gone away from that place, and he went to the vicinity of Tyre, place up north. He entered a house and didn't want anyone to know it, yet he couldn't keep his presence secret. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Imagine this idea of Jesus just going, I need time away. And again, for some of us, that's like, oh gosh, even Jesus got tired of people. <laughs> Jesus said, I just want some time away. And he goes to this house in a, in a fairly... Uh, a different area, but somehow his, the fact that he's there gets out. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demons left your daughter. She went home and found a child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Really short story. And uh, I don't know, sometimes it helps me to imagine what would someone from that area look like today. And that's what someone from the area around Tyre would look like. Just an average mum, but that's the sort of person that you might imagine would come to Jesus. And uh, she comes to Jesus and she's got a problem with her daughter. Her daughter's been afflicted and she doesn't know what to do about her daughter. She doesn't know how to deal with it. And her daughter's in so much uh, distress. And she hears that Jesus is in town. And she goes and she finds him out. And she says, Jesus, will you help me? Will you 
heal. Will you sort my daughter out? Because I don't know how I'm going to manage with my daughter. She is just so, so um, damaged at the moment. And that's where that phrase comes. Jesus says, it's not right to take the, ch- the bread uh, from the children and give it the dogs. Now, I think, you know, if you're visiting around here, what you need to know is these people are really nice. All right. <laughs> and uh, that question from Arthur about what did we do wrong, there's just no answer to that question. There's just no answer. <laughs> Some of us speak before we think, uh, but most of us, if someone asked us uh, to help, would say, go with your dog. And, and, and if we did, it sort of like, it, it loses some of its uh, force because for us, a dog is not a, it's kind of like a little bit rude, but it's not massively offensive. But in that day, to call someone a dog was really offensive because in a sense, for, um, certainly for the Israelites, dogs were not household pets. They were kind of feral animals. They were kind of animals to be frightened of. And some of you come from cultures where you're not sure about dogs and, you know, and some of you have got dogs and you love them and some of you looking on and go, I don't know why. But, um, but dogs in that day were, were really, you would not want to get involved. And, um, sorry, Alex. And, um, and Jesus says, it's not right to say the, the, the bread from the children. Well, who are the children? Well, what he's referring to is Israel and give it to the dogs. Who are the dogs? People like you. And the woman goes, well, and she does then use a picture that we might understand. She says, well, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. It's kind of like even the dogs sort of come round and even they get the leftovers. Come on, there must be something left over for me. And Jesus says, well, for that reply, your daughter's healed. And... And she was. It's like a little fascinating little story. Let's hold it there for a moment. And let's think about this week for us. This week for us, as you all know, um, we've had uh, another election. And it looks like it won't be the last one that we're going to have for a little while. And uh, so we got a chance to get it. And actually what happens, of course, is that um, in the run-up to an election and in the outcome of an election... There's a lot of talk about really what becomes us and them. Who's us and who's them? And depending on where you stand and who you, how you vote and what you think is important, it's easy to sort of demonize the others and go, it's them. We're against them and us. We're together. And, you know, whether you read newspapers or whether you get most of your news from uh, social media and Facebook, it becomes this sort of like echo chamber of... Finding people who agree with you and then saying, yes, see, and we got outraged by them. Because them, they don't understand, they're not one of us, etc., etc., etc. That happens, doesn't it, as well with, if we're not careful, when the outrages happen, when people do outrageous things. And it's easy to look at them and go, they're not one of us. Well, that sense of us and them was really strong when this story was happening. Let's go back to the story for a moment. Now, this is a, a map of Galilee. So you've got Jerusalem uh, down this sort of area and uh, Galilee, where Jesus came from, Nazareth and Sea of Galilee. And you might just see, this is a very sophisticated eye test. If, uh, if you can't see that, you really do need to go to the spec service. Um, but that's Tyre up there. That's Tyre. 
Now, Tyre is not part of Galilee. It's not part of Israel. It's a, a distinct area. Syrophoenicia, they kind of saw themselves differently, and the Jews here would see these people as them. In fact, this guy, Josephus, who was a historian of the day, writing in around 70 AD, so, you know, kind of really within sort of 30 years of this episode happening in the book, The Antiquities of the Jews, which you can still get if you want to buy, says, the people from Tyre notoriously are bitterest enemies. So now, let's just think for the moment about the woman. So suddenly this woman is very much them. She's not one of us. And in a sense, Jesus is kind of responding to that. Well, it's, it's not right to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs. And, and actually, you know what? If you'd have been a Jewish leader of that day, if you'd have been one of the Pharisees, you'd have been going, smack on Jesus. Absolutely. You tell this woman. You tell her where she stands because she ain't one of us. But actually, the story gets a little bit more interesting, I think. Because you just a little bit of digging, you find out that this place is actually, economically, was one of the best-off places in that whole region. It was like the economic capital. It was a trading post, so a lot of trade went through. And what was really interesting, one of the reasons that they were our bitterest enemies, was that they went and they bought at cheap prices, a lot of the wheat and the bread from northern Galilee made money as they sold it in their port. So they got, the reason they were bitterest enemies, people looked at Tyre and went, you're getting rich on the back of us. Does that make sense? So when I was thinking about this woman, I think there's a number of surprises. Firstly, it's a surprise that Jesus is there. Secondly, how do you picture this woman now? So I had this picture of, in my mind. It, you can picture this lady as really down and out and, you know, it's awful. And when we talk about us and them, often we, we position the them as very poor. But you know what? I wonder whether this woman would be the equivalent of someone from Alderley Edge coming in an open-top Merc with a power suit on to Jesus and going, can you do what I want? This is a confident woman. This is not someone who's marginalized. This woman comes from a very confident place, a very rich place, and she's coming in. And I do imagine, because this woman is not afraid of what looks like a pushback by Jesus. So let's just put one last piece of background in. If you're a Jew and you're a Jewish teacher, firstly... It would be very strange that you would be engaging with a woman at all. And we, you know when you read the Gospels, any of you that have read the Gospels before, you kind of know the outrage of Jesus getting involved with Samaritan women at wells and uh, women who have, got, uh, who have been, uh, uh, lost their children and all that sort of stuff. And every time it's like, oh, Jesus, because people around me are going, Jesus, you shouldn't be doing this. But Jesus didn't seem to mind that. He was really engaged and not afraid. But the other thing is, even if you were, as a teacher, willing to engage, the idea that someone would then start coming back at you. Once, essentially, once you've said no, this woman's going, no, sorry, that's not good enough. Because <laughs> the lady with the open-top merc and the power suit is not a woman who's easily pushed over. And she's going, no, hang on a minute. 
You see, what Jesus was actually saying was, at this time, I have come for Israel. That's what I have actually come for. I've come for the people of Israel. And this woman, she's smart. She says, she uses the picture that Jesus gives, not right to take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs. And she said, yeah, but to be honest, let's face it, Jesus, there must be leftovers, eh? This is a woman who's not afraid of Jesus. This is a woman who's not, um, not put off. This is a woman who's persistent. This is a woman who pushes in. And people would have looked at her in Galilee and in Jerusalem. They would have said, she's part of them. She's a woman. She's a Gentile. Mark tells us twice where she's from. She's a Greek from Syro-Phoenicia. She doesn't. She's not one of us. And her daughter's condition in their mind would have meant that actually, you're a long way from God, lady. Does that make sense? The other interesting thing about the story is where Mark, how Mark tells a story. Because there's always two things going on, aren't there? There's always, you've got the sort of the gospel being written and, and he's telling stories about what actually happened. And so you've got the there and then. But then Mark is actually deciding, I want to tell you this story and I want to tell you this story in this way. Because he's aware of the people he's writing for. So you've got Jesus actually doing it. And then Mark, at a later date, is going, let me tell you this story and let me tell you it this way. So it's really important to remember how and where he's put the story. Because from the beginning of chapter 7, from verse 1 all the way down to verse 23, what Jesus has been dealing with, with the Pharisees, with these really religious people of the day, was this issue. The Pharisees believed they knew who was in and who was out of God's favor. They believed that their traditions were really important. So chapter 7 begins with the Pharisees saying to Jesus, why do your disciples not wash their hands before they eat? Now this is not like your mother used to ask you. All right, this wasn't to do with hygiene. This was because in the Old Testament, it used to be only the priests who had to wash their hands before they dealt with food that had been offered as a sacrifice. But here, what had happened is the Pharisees said, well, if it's good for priests, it's good for us all. So actually, make sure you wash your hands before any food that's been offered to be eaten. Make sure you wash it. And clearly, Jesus and his disciples, these young trades guys, they're not worried about that sort of tradition. And the Pharisees go, Jesus, why are you not worried about these traditions? And Jesus engages with them, with their own traditions. The traditions that try to keep them pure. And Jesus said, ended that section by saying this. It's not what goes in that's the problem. It's not your food that's the problem. It's not about making sure you stay kosher. That's not the problem. The problem is what's in your heart that's coming out. And that's where Jesus puts this story. That's where Mark puts this story. She's outside. And at this point, Jesus is going to the house of Israel. She has no idea that he's the Messiah. She's no idea about the plan that actually if, if Israel would believe, then they would be the shining light to the Gentiles. She has no concept of that story. 
She just knows she has a need. When Kate was talking earlier, in part of her story, she talked about being proposed to outside a fountain in Rome. Okay, that's really not helpful because some of us are going, I feel inadequate now. That was, that was <laughs> you know. <laughs> Where better to get proposed to outside one of these brilliant fountains in Rome with someone who's saying, I want to be with you and you're being proposed to. And it is so beautiful. That's the thing about Rome. Every blooming corner you walk around, there's another beauty spot. And you said, even at that moment, I knew there was something missing, and this wasn't filling it. Which is incredibly a vulnerable thing to say, incredibly honest, but incredibly true. I didn't know what you were going to say. But listening to your story and just processing it and processing it as part of this story, you know, you're saying, I thought if I could just get a that brilliant line, if I could get a boyfriend or a better boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, you were doing men no good this morning, I've got to tell you. <laughs> but actually what you're saying is, what, if I can interpret perhaps what you're saying, and you talked about it, where's my identity? It's not in my job, it's not in how I look. If I could be fitter or thinner or, or if I got the perfect partner. Because all those things, if you get them, are great. But they're not strong enough to actually deal with the heart. And I wonder whether this woman from Tyre knew this. She'd heard that Jesus was here. I don't get everything about you, Jesus. I don't understand everything. I don't get the Israel story. But I think you could help. Last night we had loads of visitors with us and it was absolutely fantastic. And most of them that came with you who don't go to church, who are not part of a Christian faith, wouldn't maybe understand exactly why it matters to you. But from time to time, there are moments in their own lives when they go, perhaps like Kate, actually there's got to be more. And what's going on in this story is Jesus is saying, listen, you've got to be careful you don't make it into a us and them. There are people all around us who don't get the big story. They don't understand everything. They don't understand all that Jesus is. Of course not. Who would want to put their hand up the morning and go, actually, I do. No, we're all in that process of learning. But there's enough of us to go, do you know what? I know that if I trust him, he comes through for me. And suddenly, whether you're a, um, a power-dressing woman in an open-top merc, or whether you're someone being proposed to by a fountain in Rome, or whether you're really at the bottom of the pile, Jesus says, I'm there for you. In fact, when Paul reflects on this issue of who's in and who's out, he's going to go further in Galatians. He's going to say there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's not a slave nor free, it's not male or female, those categories don't matter anymore. What matters is you're one in Christ Jesus. 
In a moment or two, we're going to be baptizing Kate. And Kate would be the last person who would say, I've got it all sorted. But Kate would be one of the first people this morning saying, I haven't got it all sorted, but I'm trusting in Jesus. And that's what it means to become a Christian. That I'm open. Arthur asked her very directly as part of that interview, have you repented of your sin? Which sounds kind of like old-fashioned language. It sounds like that sort of old-fashioned stuff on street corners. But actually, it's just that word repent simply means have you turned around? Have you following a new master? That's actually what he's asking. Have you decided that you're going to follow this Jesus? That's what it means to be a Christian. Are you open? Are you ready to be committed to Jesus? Are you ready for this new start? Two things to finish with. I think when Jesus looks at the us and them question, the us and them question that actually we we sometimes fall into, he goes, I came for them too. And I don't care who the them are for us. Them might be the Corbynists or the Conservatives. I came for them. And you might feel strongly about either party. I came for them. For the Muslims who struggle to know where they fit in society, for the young men who are Muslims, I came for them. And it's easy for you to think they're not one of us. No, 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 I know, but I came for them. For the guys on drugs who don't know how to get clean, I came for them. And for the folks who work and maybe even can afford to live in the Midland Hotel, in the middle of town, I came for them. There's no us and them, there's just us. Screwed up, messed up, not knowing where to go. There's just us. And one last thing. I read this story and I see a woman who essentially won't take no for an answer from Jesus. I don't think it's that Jesus is um, being horrible at this point. Most people who think about this think actually what Jesus was doing was, and you might find this sort of irreverent, but actually what they think he's doing is banter. Now you might go, I don't think think my Jesus would involve himself in banter. Well, you might not. You you also probably, if if you think that, you probably don't ever imagine that he would have laughed either. But... um, But actually, that's, that's how most people read, read this. They go, actually, I think what Jesus was doing was involving himself in banter, saying, come on, then. How much do you trust me? Will you, will you persist with me? And Jesus said to a woman one day, who said, I've got such a desperate situation Will you do it for me? And Jesus went, I see in your persistence the faith that says, you trust me. And for that answer, you'll go home and your daughter's fine. That's the faith thing. I trust you. I trust you. And this morning on a baptismal morning, for those who were baptized 
20, 30 years ago, or last year, you kind of left with the same question. Are you still living that life of trusting him? And are you still willing to see that actually this baptism, this new start, this moment, where actually everything begins again, that this is not just for people like us, but it's for the people that we think are them. And what might that mean for us as a church? As I thought about this lady from Tyre, I've grown to like her more and more and more. But when I think about how Jesus deals with her, when everybody else would have said, no, 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 it makes me trust Jesus so much more.